there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello, you're very welcome again to Your Politics, the RTE Politics Team weekly take on the latest from Leinster House, Paul Cunningham, Sinead Spain, and me, Michal Lahan, here with me, Anya Lawler, and we're going to start, uh, it's still ongoing actually, uh, the big news of the day, of course, the appearance of Children's Health Ireland executives before the Erechthus Health Committee. And Michal, before we get into what we've learned, set the scene and why this is the huge talking point in politics right across the country at the moment. Well, I suppose because you did have 19 children who had very poor surgical outcomes. That's the language that's used to describe it. But the complications were detailed in some way today. That's people having to be rushed back to, to surgery for emergency procedures, a lot of infection as well, and staying in hospital for a long time and more than it would be usual. So that's what led to it. And of course, along the way as well, that one child, Dulciana Carter, died. So as a result of that, and as a result of the fact that this is now being reviewed, by independent experts, there is a doll, a, politi- a committee looking at it uh, to try and shed some light, and particularly on that one area that uh, around it that centres on springs that were implanted uh, in some children and that they didn't have the necessary approval, something that seems shocking to everyone within the system, it seems, and certainly to the politicians looking in from outside. And I suppose the stage, the stage was set for today's committee hearing by Mary Lou MacDonald, the Sinn Féin president at Leaders' Questions yesterday, revealing that she had shared a letter with the Taoiseach, which, if genuine or which, if it had been received, would indicate a widespread knowledge of what was going on and what is now being inquired into. Yes, and there was some questions around this letter to Eilish Hardiman from Children's Health Ireland. And she said that she uh, has no record of having received that letter. Now, she was reluctant to be pressed on the specifics of it because there are a number of external investigations and there is a personnel investigation also involved in this. And she said that to a degree she has had to take a step back. Uh, because some of those things are ongoing and they do involve her office and also because she doesn't want to prejudice any particular Mm -hmm. investigation. But really, I suppose what's at the heart of some of the questioning today was a meeting which took place in February of 2020, which she was present at, Eilish Hardiman, and a number of consultants. And she agreed today that this meeting took place and they discussed uh, the use of magic rods, as she described them, um, which were surgical instruments that could be used in a particular type of spinal surgery. Now, she was pressed as to whether they discussed the use of springs, which were subsequently used in Temple Street. And she said she had no recollection. And she was pressed a number of times by um, by David Cullinan and also by Roisin Shortall. And she kept coming back to this phrase, no recollection of any discussion um, of the, the specifics of these springs which were used. It was a, an interesting phrase and I suppose one which uh, they will come back to, I think, in the external investigations. Um, now, we weren't able to find out any specifics about the letter because there's no direct, she said she had no direct evidence of it having been sent, but a number of issues that came up at the committee sort of pointed to the issues that were raised in the letter did certainly seem to be known about in 
at a particular level in Temple Street. And Paul, all of this against a background where Ireland has high rates of scoliosis and spina bifida compared to other populations, where the waiting lists and the suffering of children and families on the waiting lists has long been a political hot potato where promises were made that those waiting lists would be shortened to no longer than four months, where extra money was allocated, where more promises were made, where the Erechthus Health Committee has had Children's Health Ireland and Doctors for Temple Street in asking about all of this. And we had Paul Murphy, the People Before Profit TD, raising questions in the door which apparently weren't precise enough in April and again in July. We've had an internal review, an external review. Now we've to have another review. And yet we still don't have a very clear indication of how this happened, who knew what and when. Yeah, if you stack all that up together, what you will get for people who are affected by it is a huge amount of frustration. Frustration that they've been told this is going to be sorted, they've been promised it was going to be sorted, and it hasn't been. And that blew up in one of the contributions by Tom Clonan, an independent senator, who was speaking about his son who had received back surgery in Temple Street. And the more he spoke, the more angry he became because he was saying this issue isn't about springs. That's only a smaller component of a much bigger issue, which is why is it that so many children have been given delayed treatments which means a worse outcome, which means more invasive, more dangerous to them. And he really began to put pressure on the chief executive of CHI saying, and you've been presiding over this since 2018. What action have you taken to try and ensure that this wasn't the case? And if it was continuing to be the case and these promises were not being delivered on, what action were you taking as a result of it? So just at that point, it began to get quite heated and you had a sense of some of the pressure that the politicians on the government side are under from families who feel that this has been a problem and it was indicative of that problem that they were excluded from those reviews and they still are concerned that the new review which has been undertaken and the terms of reference are being designed, that they're not going to be integral to them or that other institutions could be party to it. Let's talk about the politics of that now, getting this third review, Mm. getting this third review right and getting the families buy-in. Where are we with that? We're at a very sensitive stage. That's where we're at. So the Minister for Health has said it was always his um, plan. It was always the objective that once you um, undertook an independent person from the UK to come over and conduct this investigation, that they could go as wide as they wanted, as deep as they wanted to get to the truth and that the families and indeed the patients would be at the core of that investigation. The difficult politically is that given what we've just discussed in the previous few minutes, it is clear that the families don't trust the government to achieve that aim. And they're warning that if they don't get the terms of reference that they want, they're going to walk away from it, which really puts the government in the soup, not only because they want to get to the truth, but secondly, the reason is because of their um, time in government and their record in government. And questions too uh, have been asked, haven't they, by politicians about the pressure that was coming to bear on the hospital because about resuming surgeries or catching up with the delays. And again, I'm not totally sure of the specifics there, but that seems to be an area they want more clarity on. Yeah, like last year there was uh, over 500 surgeries. This year it's planned to be 450. So we're going backwards rather than forwards. Yeah. And some talk that there's a two year plan that if you look at it over the two years, uh, that that it would 
give a, a higher number. I suppose what's interesting there as well is that there were fairly specific questions for Children's Health Ireland about are you pressurising surgeons to get these waiting lists down? They said they would never do that. And then when it comes back to the springs, which which do seem to be a key part of this in the sense of governance as to how it could happen, NASA Harrigan saying that she'd worked on building sites where you couldn't put even something like a window into a building without someone stopping you. But for some reason, something that has perplexed the people who run the hospital, uh, there were devices uh, that weren't medically approved, but we also learned today weren't coming from an approved supplier either. Now, who got them, who procured them? Well, it's not clear, but Children's Health Ireland did say they don't know about the procurement process and aren't, aren't willing to say much anyway. This is two inquiries later, though. Yeah. Two inquiries yeah. later, and, and, and we and still it, don't know that answer. It would seem to be a kind of fairly critical question, yeah. wouldn't it? and it is convenient for all people, appearing before any committee, that you can cite a, a, another inquiry being ongoing, and that happens. But there was some mention of the fact that maybe there is an invoice around the place, but the procurement of it, actually, that's not clear. That hasn't been established as well as that, I suppose, the questions that Paul Murphy w- was asking, and it evokes political scandals of the past, doesn't it? That the right questions weren't asked. The first ones went in in May of last year, but they weren't specific enough, even though some people looking over things in the hospital at that point did seem, at that point, to see a reference to rods with springs, but they said they weren't quite sure what that meant. So again, it took more time for that uh, to, to become a clear answer. It also gets back, doesn't it, to this whole question of the capacity of the state to deliver. You know, politicians make promises because, you know, right across the board in different political parties, you know, when when we saw those stories a few years ago about, you know, the suffering of children on those scoliosis waiting lists, um, there was a desire to do something. And here we are all these years later and seems to be getting worse. I mean, even though it was a heated exchange at the Health Committee today, it wasn't as if it was just a, a grilling and a banging of table. I mean, there were interventions by the Fianna Fáil TD, John Lahart, saying we do recognise the complexity involved in this and trying to get an answer. You really do have to look at it in the round. Um, and I guess that is going to take time. That's what the investigation mm-hmm. is about. The chief um, medical officer of CHI said, the questions that you're asking are the questions we're asking ourselves and we want to get to them. But the question you put, why didn't the internal and external reviews get some of those answers is left still hanging there. Another issue was the letter that was never received, uh, the letter from February 2020 that was never received by the CEO of Children's Health Ireland. That does make a reference to possible consent being given by parents. And when that was raised again at the committee... To experimental procedures yeah, that were being agreed to. Consent that, that, right? would, that would never really amount to anything anyway. It would be a valid consent. Given that the, the pieces yeah. and the implants weren't approved medically. Uh, but that question was asked, could there have been some kind of consent process? And that is another question that wasn't answered. Again, it was something that was referred right. to the upcoming investigation. So more to come on all of this. I I suspect it may have a a long way to go. Um, Let's come back to more mundane issues and party politics. And uh, Charlie Flanagan, Michal, the former justice minister, he's joining the Fine Gael exodus from Leinster House. Yeah, big exodus that began with Owen Murphy, then Joe McHugh, uh, then Brendan Griffin, Michael Creed, David Stanton, Richard Bruton, and now Charlie Flanagan, and of course question marks over a few more. And the question marks remain because the Taoiseach did say that there would be one or two more. He also said a couple. Does a couple mean a few? Is it a kind of a loose term? He says he knows that because he's so close to his parliamentary party, they tell him things before they tell anyone 
anyone else. But it does put a certain question mark over people who say they're running still. People like Bernard Durkin, Paul Kyo, uh, Michael Ring and Fergus O'Dowd. So, I mean, you could have a scenario... 35 seats for Fine Gael the last time. Could you see up to 11 going? It's coming into around that third of the parliamentary party not standing again. And no matter what a party right. says, that is a difficulty. Of course it's a difficulty because it's having to rebuild things uh, rather than just saying that it, it gives a chance for fresh blood. But they say it's not a problem, Fine no, Gael. It's a, it's a good thing. very good at succession. They have the cancers, they have the talent and they have the professional capacity to blow them and have them mm-hmm. ready for the electorate. They it's are b- very nervous about this narrative of an exodus Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's possibly why Leo Varadkar said one or two more because I know it's happening and it's fine and we're managing it. And um, there is a suggestion that in the background they're trying to manage the the drip feed of mm-hmm. the, the people announcing that they're not mm-hmm. running again so that um, it they can look allow as it bad, to, like, to fade from yeah. memory and then yeah. the next one can, yeah. can announce that but they're not. I suppose it gives them a chance lo- to... Bring, I mean, so many of those names... But you are losing young and old there, though. You're losing, yeah. like, Owen Murphy, Leo Radker's great friend, wasn't he? The, in, yes. the, that a lot of men there as well. It gives them a chance to start running and, if they can, electing some more women candidates, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, given we stand around 100th in the world when it comes to female representation. Maybe uh, we need a few more women. The other I suppose big it does lead to some in Fine Gael who say, well, would opposition be such a bad thing, you know? But Leo Varadkar tried to counter that by saying, well, it never really works that way if you fall out of government in Fine Gael's experience. It's for a long time, usually. There was something about the Taoiseach's constituency office as well. Wasn't there some story about... Has that well, this in- the question as to whether he might move, given he li- his constituency is in in the west, but now he was sort of moving. Clo- he was living closer in to town. Central, and yeah. Could that mean it might flag a move? And he said, "No, no, that he was he was staying out way out west." All right, all right. Uh, uh, is the Garda Commissioner staying? Because the dispute over Garda rosters, which is now being dubbed the Drew Flu, because we're going to have this voluntary overtime ban on Tuesdays in October, which will of course include the budget and Halloween uh, and then an all-out stoppage on the 10th of November and this is the dispute over the GRA which has almost 99% voted no confidence in Commissioner Harris. Uh, They don't want to move off the COVID roster, the four-day-a-week roster and go back uh, as they're due to do under instruction from Commissioner Harris onto the pre-COVID roster which would have them working, is it five days a week? Five, uh, but there'd so. be more overlap and there'd be more visibility and this is what the commissioner is after. Uh, but and October it's n- the 10th is an important date. Yes. Small matter of a budget. Yes. Um, Protest at Leinster has... Yeah. has yeah. The Minister that. saying she has an assurance from the Garda Commissioner that there will be sufficient policing at Leinster House though, which of course is extremely relevant given what happened last week. But it's also, this is about more than rosters. This is now, you know, when, when you have the Garda representative association saying, you know, we thought we had to deal with everybody else, but then the commissioner came along and it all got... It's, it, it, it's a direct challenge, isn't it, it's to the authority and, and discipline, And I could suppose. that be replicated if it was the case that um, a workforce was able to get rid of their CEO? Where would it stop? Vera Pau. There you go. Um, it's it an is issue. a difficult one, though, for the Justice Minister. Um, because Who has given her full backing, hasn't she? She has given Harris her full so backing, far, yes. but it's a highly personalised dispute between the rank yeah. and file members yeah. and the Garda Commissioner. Even the fact that they're calling it a Drew flu. This is 
almost not necessarily a row about rosters anymore. It's a row between the GRA and Drew Harris. And that's very dangerous. And it's very dangerous territory, I think, for Helen McEntee. And it's difficult how she's going to navigate it. As you say, Mm -hmm. she's given her full backing to them. They need to get them round to the talks table. But the fact that it has become so highly personalised, it's hard to see what will mollify the rank and file members. And also the the GRA, they have a precondition for talks, don't they? Which is that the proposition to return to the old roster be dropped. So they're, they're almost looking for victory in that case, aren't they, before they go into talks. It's interesting that um, the Thánaiste Mihal Martin was in the Doyle today and he was talking about the way to resolve this was through the industrial relations mechanics of the state. And that, to a certain extent, is taking the Minister for Justice off the table and saying we need to go into some form of process. And certainly that's where the coalition would like it to go, because if it doesn't go there, then it does mean as Pierce Doherty um, yeah. was alluding to in the Doyle, that this uh, keeps Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice, right there in the spotlight. Yeah, because it's a double charge that Sinn Féin are making. One is that the Minister has a hands-off approach to this, which is creating a massive crisis and Garda Morale is on the floor. But also then, that as a result of all of that, an overstretched Garda force, that communities are becoming less safe. And of course, that is a particularly difficult charge for Fine Gael as well, given that it is, again, trying to position itself as the law and order party. And we had Padre Tobin referenced seeing the number of guards in the street earlier on this week. This isn't just something related to Sinn Féin, cuts across the opposition parties as well. The last time, of course, this has been called a Drew flu. The last time we had um, a blue flu because, of course, Gardaí can't strike um, officially. Uh, Enda Kenny was Taoiseach, wasn't he? Uh, was it Enda Kenny? And can't remember, it was 2016, wasn't it? It was Enda, I'm being told yes. in, my, in my headphones. Uh, and... Um, the G, well, basically the Gardaí seemed to have gotten most of what they wanted that time around. They recovered very quickly yes. from the flu. Yes. But this one does, this one is a problem. It's live and there isn't too much time to um, find a solution. So one would imagine that behind the scenes all sorts of things are going on. Um, but I think there is enough time for it to be resolved. It isn't like a given now that we're going to um, hit the buffers on, on the 10th of October. There is a contagion too that it's feeding into the recruitment campaign for more Gardaí which is underway and if they're not able to bring them in it does put the pressure on the rank yeah. and file members. Yeah. Of course the big story ought to have been the budget all week long and the news there is a bit ominous doesn't it? Predictions of what? 1.5 billion overrun in health possibly? 1.4 overall deficit with a 1.1 cash deficit. But it does raise questions once again, a couple of things. One, why is it every year we've got overruns in the Department of Health? We learned from the um, chief executive of the HSE yesterday that 50% of that related to health inflation, another quarter related to increase in demand and the last quarter related to controls. So a government might be able to say, well, on the controls issue, we should be able to deal something on the other two. So what does that mean? We had a record budget for the Department of Health last year, 23.5 billion. So will... Uh, We're looking at 25 billion at this stage, aren't we, for next year? If Well, this is the question because it was um, the Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath himself, even though like this really comes under Pascal Donoghue under public expenditure, was talking about year on year is a problem. Um, if you've got an overrun, one department has a knock-on effect. Well, is, is it the case that the accounting within the department isn't up to scratch? Or is it that the government is not giving, as the HSE has been saying since the beginning of the year, we don't have enough money to do all of the things that you want us to do? Particularly so given the, the population growth. Exactly. Bite the bullet. Put it up to 25 billion euro. Can you imagine? Uh, and again, the problem with all of this, Michal, is that it's eating into the room for manoeuvre on tax cuts and cost of living measures and social welfare packages. 
Uh, well, it kind of been... suits government who doesn't it because that's the message that they've been trying to get out for two weeks now that there isn't. And as then much will there be a billion down the back of the sofa? Well, maybe Mike, Michael McGrath did say when he spoke outside government buildings a week ago that it is much better to surprise people on the upside. Uh, and that was kind of a message to others in government to just play things down in the lead. And so I think there is a bit of that going on in relation to health and overspill. I don't know. Is it is it ever different? I mean, when Michal Martin was health minister, when this used to happen, he used to cite underspend going back decades. And it's as a result of that. So there's always some reason. And there's always a minister for finance a bit aggrieved about it. But will it be different next year? Not didn't Stephen Donnelly <laughs> say he'd get it under control when he was opposition and going into health? Didn't Leo Varadkar, when he was minister for health, say he'd get it under control? Yeah, Simon Coveney yeah. was going to end homelessness as well, wasn't he? Um, actually, let's talk about um, what has been a success this week. Um, and that is uh, the huge cocaine haul that the Defence Forces and the Gardaí and the Customs um, And all of those dramatic images of, uh, what do you call them, um, um, Cahill Berry, the uh, independent TD. We call them the Jedi. The Jedi Knights. Yes. So this is the elite forces of the Defence Forces ab- sailing down from a moving head. Exactly. Of oh, well done, Sinead. <laughs> of these guys um, abseiling down from a helicopter onto a moving, huge bulk vessel, which is trying to escape out to international waters. A- incredible images and a- an incredible success, not just related to the defence forces, also the Gardaí, also revenue involved and the greatest seizure of drugs in the history of the state. It was a, a real tour de force. Um, and now, obviously, there's a-, a criminal process underway. But it has also raised questions, hasn't it, about the spending and the management of the naval forces and the defence forces yeah. and the fact that what we have six naval vessels well, uh, this, is, this is it in I Cork mean, Harbour don't and we? Michal Martin is not just the Thornish he's also the Minister for Foreign Affairs and Defence and he was pressed on this issue that you're talking up this um, great victory but we still have um, naval vessels in dock because we don't have enough sailors to go out and do the job We he countered by saying we've had more um, investment in the Defence Force in recent years than ever before we've had the Commission uh, investigate we're going we've to had the inv- Women of Honour scandal and that has been dealt with and going through process but I think if you bring it back to the budget there's a certain allowance for naval officers which um, the sort of Defence Force is saying well if you really believe in this, mm-hmm. that allowance will be included in the budget. But from what I'm hearing, um, they don't expect it to be. And they will then use that um, as saying that the government is t- talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch, actually, in the budget. The, whatever is money, yeah, m- money for more Gardaí, money yes. for the Navy and the Defence Forces. because if, In relation to pay. Yes, yes. because and that allowances. does appear to be a key issue, doesn't it, in yes. terms of recruitment the and, and the difficulty in getting the numbers. Well, there was a quip from a retired member of the Defence Forces on Morning Ireland who said you've got all of these Gardaí who are alongside the members of the Naval Service and the Defence Forces involved in this operation and the Gardaí are on overtime and allowances and the Naval, the Defence Forces members, the Navy people, are not. Um, don't have as many allowances at all, he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Drawing a clear line there between what the Gardaí are so paid compared the, to the members of the Defence so Forces. So that's the acid test. If you're in, in regard to that is, in particular in relation to naval service, do they have the allowance when they're out on the water or not? So it's all about, it's all been as grim as the weather really, hasn't it, this week really? The weather wasn't that bad in the east anyway, was it? Um, it was kind of fairly mild. Mm. Anything else that we should be keeping an eye on? Anything else that's brewing at the moment, no? 
I mean, another, another couple of things um, coming up um, next month, the um, board of the National Children's Hospital will be coming back before committee. So that'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Um, there was one the to watch. in the Shannon, wasn't there, talking about that possibility of a second tier payment of child benefit. This is trying to target money to children who are in poverty, but it doesn't seem like it's be happening That's going to be soon. a key question, actually, in the budget, isn't it? Yeah, how targeted are measures yeah, and yeah. how much? Because, you know, even with all the disputes with IFAC about going mm. over the, the Fiscal Advisory Council, about going over the 5% spending limit, the other thing they're having an issue with is generalised spending, spending that can add to inflation right across mm. the co- the economy. Their argument is if you're going to increase spending, make it targeted. Maybe that's why the Fine Gael leader, Anthony Shockley of Radker, said to his parliamentary party last night, things are going to be tight. We're not going to be able to do all the things we want to do. And on that note, <laughs> we're going to leave you uh, for this Thursday. Hopefully uh, the weather and the mood will have improved uh, when we're back with you uh, next Thursday. At that stage, we'll only be a few days out from budget day, isn't that right? That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, lots to talk about then. So thanks for listening, watching, and uh, we'll see you again next Thursday. 